0: Thanks for tuning into the Replatform podcast sponsored by Ampliance and Clavio. Today it's just myself, James Gerd. Um, And we have uh, really interesting guests again, you'll be happy to know. So first of all, thank you for for those who are tuning back in as a regular listener. And a warm welcome if this is your first time, we hope you like it. Do uh, subscribe, I can't even say the word, to get new episode alerts. And we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify or Apple. So our topic today is uh, automating digital asset management and improving site performance with our guests from Cloudinary. So let me just set up the key things to talk about and then I'll introduce you. So we'll be talking about you know key dam related issues faced by e-commerce businesses, the impact of digital asset management systems on speed and performance, um, and also internal processes, the use of AI in in digital asset management and integrations of e-commerce platforms. Um, so let's start and introduce our first guest, Tao, who's the senior partner manager at Cloudinary. Um, how are you doing, Tao?
1: I'm good, James. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Though. Do you um do you want to just give give our, our listeners a flavour for uh, what Cloudinary is and also what your role is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for having us. I've been a regular listener of this podcast, so it's uh, it's great to be uh, on this side for uh, for a change. It's really good. So we're grateful for the opportunity. Um, I've been in the e-commerce space for 15 years and I've been working in companies like Critio, Pitney Bowes, uh, before joining Cloudinary. So I have a lot of knowledge when it comes to e-commerce platform and the whole tech stack and been trying to learn from uh, guys like uh, you and, uh, and Paul uh, throughout the years. And in terms of Cloudinary, what we're doing, so we are an API first uh, media layer that helps uh, retailers and other businesses to consolidate, to optimize, to deliver the rich media uh, to the end user. And we're doing it through different solutions that we have in-house, including DAM, which you mentioned, so digital asset management and programmable media solutions to take care of all the transformations and the dynamic media. And we're working um, not just with retailers, but we're working with different verticals. And we have around 800 enterprise clients worldwide and uh, founded 10 years ago by three developers in Israel and being API first well before the Mac Alliance started. So we were doing all this Mac uh, composable thing uh, well before and we stayed true to our core up to this day.
0: Excellent, thanks very so much. I, I love it, all the all the uh, terminology that now has to exist around Mac and composable and headless. It's it's like a bingo scorecard for e-commerce. Um, thanks, uh, yeah, thanks for the instruction. Um, Susanna, over to you. Uh, give give uh, people a flavor of, of what you do at CloudRe,
2: please. Uh, so my name is Dona Samaj, I'm Senior Solutions Engineer here at Cloudinary. I'm here for a little bit over three years now, and I work with all the prospects that are coming to Cloudinary and they would like to find out more about the product. They would like to run a proof of concept or... or Maybe they just need a technical demonstration, technical conversation before they decide Cloudinary is the right fit for them. So I will work together with our sales team to get those projects, get those proof of proof of concepts uh, up and running, and then of course see the results and make sure that they are positive.
0: Excellent. Yeah, so important. I mean, I, I spend so much time telling people to get proper proof of concepts before making decisions, rather than just generic pitches. So it's it's good we've got the we've got a nice blend of commercial and technical skills for our audience today um so you ready for some questions
1: yes fire away
0: excellent so i'll start i'll start with you if that's okay um how have you in the business seen the challenges for e-commerce organizations in respect to digital asset management change over the past few years
1: yeah definitely so there's been quite a lot of a lot of challenges and um One of the main challenges for businesses when it comes to e-commerce is how to fulfill the full life cycle um, of the assets uh, from photoshoot to the point of delivery and to the measurement and analysis, what kind of impact it has. So a modern uh, DAMS job to do is to overcome these challenges. It would need to have an intuitive user interface and friendly UI for the end users, the ones which are using it um because it's it's meant to make the work simpler and more straightforward than than it used to be before um to manage the users to offer the different modules like workflows like presets like templating which I'm sure we'll speak later um all the off the shelf integrations you know that could connect with um strong reporting to help you know make creative decisions and also editors for quick localized Uh, content to make sure that you know it's it's a smooth uh, editing capabilities and to top it up the ability to scale production by automation and ai because you have bigger catalogs you want to go international you want to do cross-border etc how do you manage all of that you cannot just rely on manual work because it takes time it costs its money so automation is quite essential and these are the kind of challenges and what the dam is trying to to sort out for the businesses who are using it
0: yeah, I think the, the manual to automate it is a key challenge. A lot of larger organizations have survived on some insanely like sophisticated manual processes, but they're creaky as hell when you try and scale it in a digital environment. So, yeah, I'm not surprised you've seen that. Um, and Susanna, from your point of view uh, as doing pre-sales technical support, what technical issues are you typically seeing e-commerce teams come into Cloudinary with and what sort of problems are they trying to fix? <laughs>
2: Yeah, so there, there are quite a few issues that uh, are handled manually right now. So if you have a photo shoot, you would like to get assets to the website as quickly as possible. And this is not happening if you have to write a brief, send the brief to the agency or somebody internal is creating uh, the brief and then executing on it, converting assets from, I don't know, TIF or, or PNG to JPEGs and so on. These are all the manual steps that can be replaced by some technology and they don't have to be done manually. Also. Cropping to the different aspect ratios, we can analyze assets and we can find out where exactly should be the best crop. So we can do it with AI. And if we are going to replace all the manual tasks and do it with AI, of course, in many cases, uh, when we talk to designers, they freak out. Like AI hey, can't replace what we are doing. Of course not. Like, but if it's going to do a good enough job in 95% cases, and you have to adjust only those 5% cases, how much time you spend on doing that manually right now and how much time you can save. So that's usually uh, the use case and the most common uh, workflow why customers come to us and they want to automate and they want to do something with the technology instead of doing that manually.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting actually because I've I've had a few um, clients who work in very specific product niches like um, Equestrian and they have, a ter- have an absolute fear of auto-cropping Um, of assets because it can completely screw the focal point of the product or the image from from the wrong part of the horse. So do you you find a lot of businesses, they focus on that part of proof of concept up front? Is that the bit where typically you have to spend more time demonstrating that it works?
2: Yes. So this is one of the key Features or key functionalities many of our customers are using. And we talk about images right now, but we can do auto cropping even for videos. So, for images, we run the heat map, we find out what are the objects, we will crop it to the object. You can even define you want to crop to the face or, I don't know, the main object or whatever else. But usually, gravity automatic is the most common setup because you want to let AI decide what is the best crop. But for videos, we are able to run the heat map throughout the whole length of the video. So, if you are preparing A video which was recorded in uh, landscape mode. You want to get it to social media, to Facebook, Instagram, stories. You want to get it to aspect ratio 9 to 16. And the power of Cloudinary is that we can also take that video, we can run the heat map throughout the whole length of the video, and we will move the crop as your model is moving or whatever is on the video, and we will provide the best possible result
0: interesting now I didn't I didn't realize that was part of the the feature set the the video piece in from different um, aspects very interesting um so Tao, before we get into some more of the technical elements around performance I'd love to chat about the business case because a lot of people listening who haven't got um, a dam or have only got you know basic capab- um, uh, basic capabilities provided through like existing technology or e-com platforms. They often struggle with the business case because it, it sounds great, but there's a cost. How do you justify it? And some are still happy of old folder systems and and like them, them you know, there's some there's some amazing SharePoint setups that are doing this at the moment. What what difference um can you validate that that makes like what what is the business case that you help customers build?
1: Yeah, so definitely it's a very good question. So there are several elements. So you know, if you are a small startup. And you are just selling your products in the local markets. Have no plans to grow, to develop omni-channel capabilities. Most likely, you will not need a dam, and you can rely on the on the current setup that you that you have in place. As you as you grow your business, you know your tech needs to evolve as well, because you need to meet you know the the customer expectations, and you know you want to delight and surprise your customers. And whether it's the ability to unify and consolidate the different media assets, you know, if you, especially if you introduce video, because traditionally, um, the retailers rely mainly on media, so on static images. And as soon as you have video in place, then you need something a bit more sophisticated, as, uh, as Susanna, um, just explained uh, previously. Um, also in order to, to use automation, I mean, how would you, how would you do it when you have those SharePoint stuff? It's really good to do it manual work. But if you want to scale, if you want to go international, if you want to, to grow cross border, you have to, you have to get some sort of automation. And I will give you a very good example, you know, what a dump can actually sort out. So imagine you're a fashion retailer. I'm sure you walked uh, from your time in House of Fraser and, and elsewhere, and you have different catalogs and you have to create an asset, an image, a variation for each product that you have based on the device, based on the channel, based on the browser. How do you do it with the dam? You can actually have one asset with many variations. So you don't need to create multiple number of images. You can actually, have one and on the fly, do the different manipulations, the transformations, you know, to get it, uh, to the end user, to deploy the overlays, to do the background changes and removers to do all of the beautiful stuff and to make sure, you know, it's optimized in size. And that's why you need a dam. If you're a small business, probably there won't be a use case for you. But as you grow, as you have omni-channel needs and capabilities, that's when you need to start considering it, of course.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point about scale and size because a small business with with very few SKUs could handle that manually. It's not fun, but you could do it. But you're right. I've I've definitely, I, I think that's, yeah, I've seen it in a few clients where the business case is is uh, an efficiency saving. So it's an op- it's an opportunity cost model, basically. Of actually, we'll save X hours per week. That will then be spent on you know value add, revenue driving activities, and that justifies the cost of the license rather than looking at increments revenue. So interesting point. All um, right, let's t- let's drive into a bit more around performance stuff. So, Susanna, we all know e-commerce teams are obsessed with speed and performance. You know. People talk about core web vitals, people, there's all sorts of metrics and tools to measure speed. What measurable impact have you seen um, your solution having um, on like e-commerce performance? So-
2: In many cases, there is quite a significant impact uh, of what we can do because, first of all, we start with analyzing a website of a customer who reaches out to us. And the main uh, objective there is to find out, are they compressing assets? If yes, are they compressing them too much? Because first thing we want to do, we want to deliver assets as light as possible, but at the same time, assets have to maintain their visual quality. So because of that, we will always deliver assets in the best possible format based on your end user and the quality compression will be applied. But at the same time, we make sure that it won't hurt the visual quality. So some assets can be compressed 60%, some 80%. We know that one number doesn't work for all. We will do it depending on an asset with uh the focus on the visual quality. And the impact of this we have seen uh to our customers website is different. For some customers for example guess eu uh we had 40% decrease of page load times and it also had impact on increase on conversions on product listing and product detail pages. And sometimes we have customers who uh see increase in the visual quality of their website. So people are staying for a longer time on their website because they like images and they like the visual quality. So it can have different impacts, really depends on what the customer is doing right now. Sometimes they are compressing, but it's just too much uh, of a compression which is hurting their visual quality.
0: Yeah, I've seen that on on retina screens where suddenly pixelation looks really crap and premium brands are, are definitely not happy with that. I'd love to know, so you talked about, you you, you alternate the, the compressions to, to, to suit the different device clients. How do you benchmark the visual quality? What's the definition? What's like the minimum? Is it based on pixel size? A how would how you benchmark that?
2: So we will analyze every single asset. Uh, we are checking the visual quality based on finding out our colors changed? based on our compression, we would never change the colors. And that's mainly important for e-commerce. Then we are checking the edges. Are edges becoming blurry? We never want to get to the level level where edges would become blurry. Of course, you can take different quality settings. So we have quality automatic. You can do quality automatic best, quality automatic good, quality automatic echo and low, of course. Uh, But we uh, usually recommend the good option, which is good enough for most of our customers. And how we do it? If you have an asset, which is for example a product uh, image of some product and it has white solid white background of course we will probably be able to do uh, the compression a little bit higher because there is the background which is solid color and it's uh, we can uh, apply more compression there but if you provide a lifestyle asset where you have very difficult background let's say it's a fire or it can be a wood you really want to make the visual quality great so because of that we won't compress the asset as much as we would compress for example the product image.
0: Oh yeah I can imagine how how does it cope with edge cases because some images some people might have lifestyle images that are blurred deliberately so how can it how does it have the intelligence to tell the difference or, or, or can it not do that because it's just too complex to automate?
2: Well we work with what we get uh, into <laughs> yeah. the digital asset management so of course if somebody uploads an asset which has been blurred deliberately because you want to have this asset blurred we'll find out because that's the original we can't improve the visual quality unfortunately so if you upload assets that are not nice and the visual quality is not great we won't make it better probably Uh, but because of that we try to work with all the customers and remind them to upload high resolution originals and of course if something is blurred we won't make it sharp
0: I was about to say the reliance on on every uh, one business constantly maintaining 100% quality of its image uploads. Uh, uh, If only only they did. (laughs) (laughs) What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule, and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at ampliance.com. Ampliance,
1: experience freedom.
0: And another question for you, is it is um image libraries are, uh, that, that businesses have are often a complete mess and totally unsearchable. And I've seen this in CMSs where it's just like, Christ, how can I find this asset? Because it's be everyone's got a different naming convention. I'd love to know um, how your system uses metadata to help classify and sort. Um, and then we'll move on to the AI-generated tags afterwards. So if you could talk us through metadata usage and classification of assets, that'd be really interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. So when we have the metadata, of course we would like to get as much mes- metadata as possible and we allow customers who have metadata because they can provide a lot of information about assets, we can make it searchable, it really nicely demonstrates uh, the search capabilities of Cloudinary. Uh, you can use different tags that can be either AI generated or you can upload them manually. With regards to structured metadata, you can define your own structure, for example, category, uh, woman, Some addresses can be different levels of categories. We can create uh, different conditions between this metadata. So the structured metadata, we fully rely on our customers to tell us what the structure should be, and we'll just import it to Cloudinary. We have either the user interface that can import it or also metadata API. So we will help customers to create this structure uh, during onboarding. And then uh, we also get all the information from exit files from every file that is coming together with an asset and we call it Embedded Metadata on Coordinary Sites. So Embedded Metadata, Is in Cloudinary can be edited, but we make it searchable. So if you are searching for assets, you have everything in exit files, don't worry, you'll find it in Cloudinary because it's there. And one more option is also contextual metadata. And in contextual metadata, you can create, for example, a description or any sort of free text uh, that can make your uh, image or video searchable. For many of our video customers, for example, transcription of a video is a great example of contextual metadata because it can make your video library searchable based on what is being said in the video. And that's quite a powerful thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that is, I guess, especially like specific quotes or topics that are discussed where you don't want to have, and you know, hundreds and hundreds of tags associated to interesting. And you talked about AI generated tags rather than like, you know, manually created. Can you talk through some use cases You know, provide a few examples of what they could be?
2: So, for example, we have different add-on integrations. So let's say what Google uh, auto-tagging or Amazon auto-tagging is uh, providing, we can take their add-on and we can use it in Cloudinary. So that's one option, but these tags tend to be very general in many cases. So for example, you don't want to have a tag that something uh, is a jewelry. You want to see if it's a necklace or if it's earrings and so on. So because of that, we also are developing our, our own AI tools that will tell exactly uh, for different items, what those are. For fashion, our uh, AI tools are quite advanced, so we can really uh, detect items with very high confidence r- rate of if those items are really there. And we can help our customers to tag automatically. And, you know, of course, many of our customers are in fashion, even though not all. So for fashion, the algorithm is the most advanced. But at the same time, we don't only tag assets. We also understand some customers just don't have metadata and they don't want to tag it all. They don't want to have these general tags. Uh, inside of our digital asset management, we have currently in alpha visual search. It means you don't have to provide any metadata at all and you will still be able to find the assets. Or except for visual search, for example, I'm searching for a bicycle, isn't anywhere in my uh Assets, but I will find all the bicycles. You can also search for similar assets. So I see an asset, which is blue dress. I will click on the asset inside of digital asset management and I will search for similar assets and I will find all the blue dresses inside of the dam. So this is the functionality, which is not available to all the customers. But if you like, if anyone would like to have it uh, uh, enabled, then uh, we do it on one to one basis because it's still in alpha, uh, but uh, it's. It's great functionality. I love to demo that. And with many customers who are interested in searching and finding assets, we usually enable it for them to test.
0: Yeah, the, the AI tagging is really interesting for me because um, I, I know it's it's still relatively in its infancy compared to, to to other like attribution systems, but the ability to take an image and add deeper attributes to drive things like filters and search is really, really interesting. So I imagine, um, are you... So you'll do you you've got your own AI, you've built it, so you're training that data set yourselves specifically for fashion then.
2: Yes, yeah, specifically for, for fashion, we have our own AI, uh, but we are also working with a lot of our customers on custom build models. So uh, for example, a fitness studio had a requirement to recognize all the fitness instructors on the assets they are uploading. And of course, Amazon Celebrity Detection won't do a good enough job because uh, they are not celebrities, so they are not in the, this database. So what we can do, we can take a folder where these customers will manually tag someone and then we can recognize those people on all the other assets, and we are using exactly Amazon technology for that. But we are customizing that, and we are adding more examples from customers. So this is just a nice example how AI can be used even for a custom use case like this.
0: Excellent, thank you, um, and Tao. I've got a question related to this and the services that Cloudinary provides around it. Because for some businesses, their data is in a mess, and it's you've got to get the data in a good structure before you import it to your new system. Otherwise, you put mess in there. Do you what's your process for helping people through that so that if somebody's not experienced in data cleaning to import into like a new dam, the, the data has a good structure and it's ready to, to push in?
1: I think it's it's probably a question more for for Susanna if if you could uh, if you could take this one, yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh, we work with many of our customers during onboarding process. When they become Cloudinary Digital Asset Management customer, uh, they have their dedicated DAM Customer Success Manager. And this person is running workshops with customers about what they should think of. Should they think about the cleaning process? Some customers have to, some don't. So in that case, we just did the migration. Uh, But we basically help customers to get them through the process of cleaning, what they should do, what they should do on their side. Then When assets are already being uploaded, hopefully it's already all clean, but we also can, based on phash and many other things, find out if there are any duplicates or based on the public ID, based on the name of the asset, we can find out if there is any duplicates uh, being uploaded. So, yes, uh, for all the customers, we will get them through very rich onboarding process that will provide them with all the tips and tricks how to do that.
0: Um, cool. I'm not sure um, who wants to take this next question. So I had a question around content workflows. I know on the website you talk about automation, improving content workflow processes. We talked a little bit about it. Um, which, are the, which of the content workflows do you most see businesses struggle with? And then how does Cloudinary help deliver improved automi- uh, automation? I know we've covered the the um, compression, et cetera. I thinking about the wider content workflows of content uploading, management, editing, et cetera.
2: Mm -hmm. So the most common use case is that uh, customers would like to upload just one original, which is as high resolution as possible. And they would like to get it, for example, to the product detail page in Amazon Marketplace in aspect ratio one to one as JPEG less than two megabytes large. In normal world, this workflow would take them a couple of days in order to get it look uh, great, uh, and that's something what Cloudinary can automate. So we look at the desired aspect ratio, we do automatic cropping, uh, then we probably uh, compress the quality, we deliver the best possible format to end users. Or sometimes when format is requested, we can also deliver, let's say, JPEG or whatever is asked for. And uh, we can do it by setting up the set of transformations. So if you have all your large PNGs inside of your media library right now and you want to get them, I don't know, to Amazon, uh, you can do it just you know, adding some transformations into the URL. And if you add it to 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 URLs, we don't care like you can do it in scale right now just add it there and it's uh, delivered in your desired format
0: cool so i guess for those who are new to this process so so what you're doing is you're taking your 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 master image you're automatically creating presets for it based on criteria of what different devices your channels need and then you've got a unique url to service that url right so it, that's how it's mm-hmm. working yeah it's just a unique url in your database that you can push out that url to your relevant marketing channel
2: yes that, that's correct
0: yeah amazing um cool and a linked question um to, to all of this is e-commerce platform integrations um you know wh- which systems do you currently have in your ecosystem i know you're part of the mac alliance and there's quite a few leading tech vendors in there are you focused on mac alliance vendors or do you have broader you know, um, proven like,
1: integrations and connections with other systems? So we, we, yes, we're part members of the Mac Alliance, uh, but we take a broader approach. Um, and we have both pre-built integrations, which our team has built, and in some cases, some partner-built integrations. Um, so we are integrated with all the major e-commerce platforms like Salesforce Commerce Cloud, SAP, uh, Adobe, Shopify, also working closely with Commerce Tools and e-commerce. Um, Working as well very closely with the likes of Contentful and ContentStack on the CMS, and PIM solution like Akinio, um, and front end like Vue storefront. So we have a whole range of different uh, integrations, and to top it up, to make sure that you know the the retailer or the merchant have um, a lot of flexibility, we also have a lot of other APIs and SDKs out of the box. So one really good use case is when it comes to our upload API, which is available. You can also make a headless DAM, and you can integrate it into into a CMS. So you take the media, the, the media library and you can put it into the CMS, which is which is really beautiful. And of course, we're looking to add and to to integrate um, into into many more uh, you know platforms as we go along. But the idea is to give flexibility that we can be integrated with any tech stack, whatever the the client will be using. We'll be able to give them the flexibility to choose what's best for integration for them.
0: And typically, what I know you've got, you said over eight hundred um, uh, merchants worldwide, and there's gonna be a wide range of tech stacks and uses. What's the most common use? Is it people are using the API and they're pulling through the assets direct from Cloudinary into the page when it's requested by the browser, or are people generally using using it to push the optimized data from you into a, a CMS or an e-commerce platform? Like, what's the most common setup?
2: So this really depends on what the commerce is already using. Uh We have customers who build their own CMS. Uh And to, because of that, they appreciate Cloudinary approach that we can integra- integrate with anything. Uh, many of those customers don't use any predefined CMS. But if anyone is already using Contentful, if anyone is already using WordPress or anything else, they will just use Cloudinary plugin because that's nice and easy way how to add transformations. You don't have to deal with any change of the URLs, the plugin or uh, module will deal with that for you. Uh, so really depends. We have customers on both sides.
0: Okay, cool. Um, yes, from a commercial point of view, Tal, people want to know what what is a typical implementation timeframe and cost? And uh, these questions are always hard to answer because it is how long is a piece of string. But if you took a simple business, um, yeah, with not thousands of, of SKUs and they needed to, to implement. How long are we talking? Is are we talking you can be up and running six to eight weeks? Is it three to four months?
1: Yeah. So again, as you as you mentioned, that's a million dollar question. So um in terms of the implementation time frame, it will vary on a client-by-client client basis. Of course, what they use, whether they use existing integrations, whether they go full API, but it can be typically from a couple of days if it's a very simple use case and you know everything is ready and there's not a lot of work they can go and be up and running within a couple of days to a couple of weeks and sometimes you know if it's a really complex composable project it could take a couple of months but it's not like doing like a replatforming or anything which is which is overcomplicated um we we aim to simplify the process uh, because the the customer would need to spend more time in you know, on implementing other you know more heavy technologies you know so it can be a couple of days to a couple of weeks can be four to eight weeks depends on the on the client
0: and from a costing point of view how does the cost model work because again the, the the exact cost is going to be completely variable depending on scale and size and number of assets and usage but yeah how does it work
1: so the cost, the cost again will be determined on what kind of solutions the the client will be using. If they're using um, just our digital asset management, or if they use our programmable media solution, etc., and what kind of bandwidth they need, you know, cetera, in terms of the media usage. So we have we have clients who are paying, you know, license fees um, in the in the five figures, and we have in the six figures it really depends it really varies but we are really competitive and we are about you know giving you know the return on investment which not lots of technologies you can go and say i invested this amount of dollars in a product and it gave me this with Cloudinary, because you can measure the performance, you can manage the uplift, you know, conversion rate, page load times, we know that we give on average eight times, um, eightfold, you know, return on investment for the clients who choose to work with us. So we have a very good, um, you know, ROI when it comes to it. Plus, you know, we're saving the time for all the internal teams, you know, which they don't have to do a lot of the manual work that they, they they had to do otherwise. So there are two two elements for it, not in terms of the cost, but in terms of also the savings and the efficiencies which it brings to the business.
0: And we still haven't covered what the cost could be, though. <laughs> well, what, what, what would be an entry point Um because obviously some businesses do like free free versions, the freemium to get you in. Is there a, is a like, if you take a non-enterprise, what would be like an entry point price? Is it on the dam side? Is it per month? Is it an annual license?
1: Yeah, so we have we have a self-service solution, you know, for startups and for small businesses, which they pay like $100 a month, and they get, you know, certain functionality, and they can use it and they can play and if they want to upgrade to the enterprise, um, you know, level, so then, you know, it's going to go to a um, few thousand dollars per month, you know, and it again depends on what's the usage, you know, what what do you need from us? But we're not really an expensive solution and, you know, we have really, really good value and uh, very good, uh, you know, retention in terms of our existing client base.
0: And I've got, I've got one final question around the product and I guess Zuzana probably um, might be might be uh, more for you is we talked about the AI alpha, which sounds really interesting. What's the roadmap focus for the rest of this year and into 23? Like what, what new features could merchants look forward to?
2: So there are definitely a couple of things uh, on the developer side. So uh, as Tal mentioned, we have this programmable media solution, which is purely for developers without user user interface. You have access to all the APIs. We can generate, for example, videos with different color variations. So imagine you are selling lipsticks. Uh, You will record the video of a model with a lipstick once, and then we are able to change colors of this lipstick on the video as you are launching new uh, color variants of this lipstick. So we don't have to every time go through the photo shoot and you don't always have to uh, create a new video from scratch. So this may be in terms of AI and generation of video. Uh, another uh, another thing b- which we are working on, uh, of course, are new image formats. We have our own researcher group. It's our CTO office where they are working on uh, defining new formats. So for example, JPEG XR and, and so on. Uh, so because of that, we think, that customers shouldn't really care about what's coming next, what will be the next format, what should be supported, what will be supported in this browser. We want to take this take this offload from them and we want to deal with that. So we have our own research group which is working on that. So that's more on like developer side but when it comes to digital asset management side uh, we are dealing with all types of media. So we mentioned images and videos but for example 360 files or 3D uh, files we can you can store them in Cloudinary and you can attach metadata to it, you can make it searchable, and at the same time you're able to preview, for example, 3D files inside of the digital asset management without a need of for your users to have any sort of 3D uh, model software. And that, that's quite powerful because you want to create experiences for your customers as live as possible. So because of that, you're adding 360 spins and 3D files. It would be very unfortunate if you had to buy a different digital asset management system Speci- especially for these files. You don't yeah. want to do that. You want to store it all in one place. And that's where our digital asset management is moving.
0: Cool. Yeah, the, the, I really like that the AI um, use case coming through of being able to dynamically change aspects of a video so that you could roll out. That. That's really interesting. Um, and, and is there a committed time frame for that or is that just it's in development at the moment?
2: Mm-hmm. So changing aspect ratio of videos really depending on what's happening on the video. That's live functionality. That's what we are selling right now. And we have many customers using this.
0: Yeah, sorry, I meant like the color, the, um, the you know, you said you, the ability ah. to change the color of a lipstick, for example, that sounds really interesting. Is did I oh, yeah. that correctly, that's in the roadmap, but not live yet.
2: We already have a couple of examples from our CTO team. It's not a live functionality, which you will find in our documentation yet. But if we have a customer who is interested in this, we will create examples for them. And just by having more customers interested, it will make it to our product, hopefully as soon as possible. But we have to get that uh, group of customers who are going to look at it and find out, oh, it looks nice. We would like to use this.
0: Amazing. Um, Sounds like a really cool feature to bring to be i can imagine why the uh the beauty sector would be interested in that definitely the, redu- the reduction in production costs would be amazing
2: yeah we, we hope so that's why we are doing that
0: <laughs> yeah fantastic um that's all the question. i really really enjoyed that i've, uh, I've learned a, f- a good few new things which is always useful on these episodes that's why we love doing them and so tell susanna thanks ever so much for taking the time If anybody's got a question, maybe they want some clarification or they want to probe a bit deeper about how you might um, work in their particular use case, how do they reach out?
1: So they can reach uh, out to us by email, I guess, on uh, tal.offer at cloudinary.com or LinkedIn, if it's more comfortable, and Susanna.
2: Yeah, I'm Zuzana at Cloudinary, but I'm Zuzana with uh, two Zs, so Z-U-Z-A-N-A, which makes it a little bit complicated. Uh, But uh, yeah, I'm on emails as well or LinkedIn, anywhere you can find me.
0: Yeah, do some general internet stalking. Wonderful. Um, Thanks both. And also thanks everyone for listening. Again, I hope you enjoyed the episode as well. Keep your ear open for the next episode. We drop one every Tuesday. Do subscribe and we'd love a rating on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Until next week, everybody. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, and my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.